Hi everyone and welcome to episode 14 of That Teacher Podcast. In this episode, we are breaking down the I do, we do, you do procedure. And this episode is focusing on the I do. Well, welcome to another episode of That Teacher Podcast. It's so great to have your company. And today we have a special guest um, who has been on one of our previous episodes before. So Amanda Pete, it's great to have you joining us again. Thank you, Josh. Um, on our previous episode together, we talked about checking for understanding. And um, we've had a number of downloads on that episode. So it's definitely helping some people around the world. Um, and we would encourage you, if you haven't heard of the term checking for understanding, check out that podcast episode. It's actually the first episode we did. Um, and Amanda, you're on that episode. And I think um, it was a great time to kind of think about the importance of checking for understanding and doing that regularly throughout our teaching. Today, we want to talk about one of the uh, the most important I guess, ways of teaching or pedagogical approaches. And if you are a new teacher at our school, the the phrase I do, we do, you do as a, a teaching method is going to be something that you become familiar with very, very quickly. Um, by probably the first or second week, you will know that as part of who we are as a school and part of our culture and our teaching culture here, I do, we do, you do is such an important part. And today on this episode, uh, we wanted to unpack the first part of the I do, we do, you do uh, regime, and that is the I do phase. This is so important for teachers, uh, and it's crucial that teachers do this well because it sets the students up for what's going to happen down the track with the we do and the you do. So simply, an I do is the section of the lesson where teachers explicitly teach the concept or model the skill for students to be able to see and understand. So there's a really good reason why we want to start with an I do. And the main reason is that students learn best when they are taught explicitly, when there's an opportunity for them to see a model or a demonstration or a really clear explanation of the content. Explicit modelling shows students clearly what they are expected to learn. So Amanda, I do, we do, you do. It's As we said earlier, it's something that we do a lot of here at this school. We coach to it. I mean, you coach teachers, I coach teachers, and so um, we've become really familiar with how this works. For those who are listening to this and want to know a little bit more about I do, we do, you do, uh, maybe just tell us about how long should an I do go for? What are the, the students doing during an I do? What's the teacher doing during an I do? Yeah, good questions, Josh. Um, one of the biggest things to realise is that the I do is not the longest part of the lesson. The better the I do, the shorter it is in theory. You want the biggest part of the lesson to be the next step, which is the we do. So the I do should really only go for five or 10 minutes, as long as it takes for you as a teacher to be able to clearly and succinctly define or explain or model the skill or the concept that's being taught in that lesson. That requires you as a teacher to be really, really clear in your mind with exactly what it is that you're teaching. And 
that should really be where you put most of your preparation for your lesson in, getting that I do to be very clear in your mind, um, having that definition clearly articulated so that the students know exactly what it is that they're learning in today's lesson. In terms of what the teacher is doing, um, the teacher is using that time to speak to the class. So the students need to have nothing in their hands. They need to be focused on the teacher. They need to be listening in their, with their, the best concentration that they can for that short period of time. That's why it's so important to keep it short. Um, you can't waffle on for 20 minutes about whatever it is you're teaching that lesson because you will have lost the kids. So keep it short. Um, model clearly, explain clearly, and the students are focusing and listening clearly to what you're saying. Yeah, great advice, Amanda. Uh, excellent way to, to start thinking about how to do an I-do there. The other thing to also consider is that the I-do is a great opportunity to allow students in on your strategic thinking. Mm. So as you're solving the problem on the board and showing them the method that you're using or as you're doing the demonstration or thinking of ideas in a brainstorm, you can also talk them through the decisions that you're making. And what, by doing this, you're actually letting the students in on your thinking and showing them how you're thinking. And that provides them with a thinking model. As well as a think aloud strategy, it's really important that during the I do, we think about how we can segment complex skills into smaller instructional units. And so for each of these smaller instructional units, we want to try and provide our students with specific examples that are going to be helpful for them to see what it will look like when they are successful. And then along with good examples, we also want to provide what we call non-examples to our students as well. And non-examples are so helpful in showing the students what could go wrong. Uh, what it would look like if they didn't quite get it right. And so a good example would be um, in my PE class when I'm teaching students how to uh, pass a soccer ball to a partner. Obviously, in soccer, we want to pass the ball with the inside of the foot. And so I would show that to our students as a good example. This is how I want you to do that in the I do phase of the lesson. But during that, I would also show them some kicks that are non-examples. And so that might be toe-poking the ball um, or using the outside of the foot um, and not actually using the inside of the foot, which is how I want them to do the skill. So Amanda, what about those kinds of lessons where there are steps or procedures that you need to follow? Yeah, well, this is the time in the I do where the teacher has to clearly model those steps and label them. Step one, this is what you do. Step two, this is what you do. So that the students have seen those steps modelled and then they're going to follow those steps exactly in the we do. So this is the time to bring it in. Yeah, so I'm thinking of subjects like maths, uh, science, food technology, where you've got to follow a set recipe or something like that. I mean, I do is such a great time to be showing the students the step-by-step -step method to solving a mathematics formula or completing a science experiment or what you need to do to cook this meal. Now, while you're doing your I do, the other thing to consider is making sure that at regular intervals and at crucial points, 
that you are also checking for understanding. The last thing that you want is for your I do to have been falling on deaf ears for the last 10 minutes and instead checking every time you teach a new concept or move to the next step of the process or the next step of the procedure, ask the students if they understand. Yeah, Josh, so at that point in the lesson, it's an opportunity for the teacher to hand over a tiny little bit of responsibility to the students. The the teacher still has the control, but the students are helping a little bit and they can go through those steps, step by step with the students participating just a little. And that's leading them into the we do. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think one of the things that we can um, maybe for those who are listening to think about the I do, we do, you do approach, really what it is, is as teachers, we want to start by having really full control of the learning that's taking place, but gradually release control to the students when we feel that they have the concept down pat, when they they have the picture of what they need to be able to do, uh, the demonstration's been done and they've shown to us that they understand it. Now we can start to gradually release and relinquish control over to the students so that we can start to work into the, the we do phase and then the you do phase. So Amanda, in every episode, we want to finalise our episodes with a quick grab and go. This is uh, the most important points from what we discussed today. And if there was a teacher who's listening to this now, where I do, we do, you do is a new concept for them and they wanted to make a start, what would be your suggestion for starting with I do? Well, I would start with I do, students listen. I would define the skills to be taught. I would use clear, consistent, concise language. I would make sure I would not get off topic or talk for too long. I would demonstrate or model the skills or procedures in small steps using a think aloud strategy. I would have the students watch closely and listen. And then I would ask for a I do you help where I still have control, but I want the students to help just a little bit by getting them to um, answer some questions to check for understanding. It's short, it's sharp, it's concise, and it's effective. Yes, excellent advice, Amanda. So helpful for those who are starting with I do, we do, you do. And we want to thank you for joining us today on That Teacher Podcast for this episode all about I do. And Amanda, it's been a pleasure to do this with you. And thank you for coming in today. You are a great coach and a great friend and a great colleague. So it's been great to have you. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Um, We want to thank you for joining us again and you can subscribe to That Teacher Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also find That Teacher Podcast on Facebook and join our page. Uh, And by doing those things, you will hopefully never miss an episode. We would also love it if you would share these episodes with some teacher colleagues. We're all in this together, so share the love. We want to thank you for joining us again and until next time, it's bye for now.